0: Chapter thirty seven of the Hand of Fu Manchu This Librivox recording is in the public domain The Hand of Fu Manchu by Sax Romer Chapter thirty seven Three Nights Later Listen cried Sir Lionel Barton. He stood upon the black rug before the massive carven mantelpiece, a huge man in an appropriately huge setting. I checked the words on my lips and listened intently. Within Greywater Park all was still, for the hour was late. Outside the rain was descending in a deluge, its continuous roar drowning any other sound that might have been discernible. Then, above it, I detected a noise that at first I found difficult to define. "'The howling of the leopards,' I suggested. Sir Lionel shook his tawny head with impatience. Then, the sound growing louder, suddenly I knew it for what it was someone shouting i exclaimed someone who rides a galloping horse coming here added sir lionel hark he is at the door a bell rang furiously again and again sending its brazen clangor echoing through the great apartments and passages of gray water there goes kennedy above the sibilant roaring of the rain i could hear someone releasing heavy bolts and bars the servants had long since retired as also had karamaneh but sir lionel's man remained wakeful and alert sir lionel made for the door and i standing up was about to follow him when kennedy appeared in his wake a bedraggled groom hatless and pale to the lips his frightened eyes looked from face to face dr pitrey he gasped interrogatively yes i said a sudden dread assailing me what is it gad it's hamilton's man cried barton "'Mr. Nyland Smith, sir,' continued the groom brokenly, and all my fears were realized. "'He's been attacked, sir, on the road from the station, and Dr. Hamilton, to whose house he was carried—' "'Kennedy!' shouted Sir Lionel. "'Get the Rolls-Royce out! Put your horse up here, man, and come with us!' He turned abruptly, as the groom, grasping at the wall, fell heavily to the floor. "'Good God!' I cried. "'What's the matter with him?' I bent over the prostrate man, making a rapid examination. His head, a nasty blow. Give me a hand, Sir Lionel, we must get him on to a couch. The unconscious man was laid upon a chesterfield, and, ably assisted by the explorer, who was used to coping with such hurts as this, I attended to him as best I could. One of the men-servants had been aroused, and, just as he appeared in the doorway, I had the satisfaction of seeing Dr. Hamilton's groom open his eyes and look about him dazedly quick i said tell me what hurt you the man raised his hand to his head and groaned feebly something came whizzing, sir he answered there was no report and i saw nothing i don't know what it can have been where did this attack take place between here and the village sir just by the coppice at the crossroads at the top of radden hill you had better remain here for the present i said and gave a few words of instruction to the man whom we had aroused this way cried barton who had rushed out of the room his huge frame reappearing in the doorway the car is ready my mind filled with dreadful apprehensions i passed out on to the carriage sweep sir lionel was already at the wheel jump in kennedy he said when i had taken the seat beside him and the man sprang into the car away we shot up the narrow lane lurched hard on the bend and were off at ever-growing speed toward the hills where a long climb awaited the car the headlight picked out the straight road before us and barton increased the pace regardless of regulations until the growing slope made itself felt and the speed grew gradually less above the throbbing of the motor i could hear now the rain and the overhanging trees i peered through the darkness up the road wondering if we were near to the spot where the mysterious attack had been made upon dr hamilton's groom. i decided that we were just passing the place and to confirm my opinion At that moment Sir Lionel swung the car around suddenly, and plunged headlong into the black mouth of a narrow lane. Hitherto the roads had been fair, but now the jolting and swaying became very pronounced. "'Beastly road!' shouted Barton. "'And stiff gradient!' I nodded. That part of the way which was visible in front had the appearance of a muddy cataract through which we must force a path. Then, as abruptly as it had commenced, the rain ceased and almost at the same moment came an angry cry from behind. The canvas hood made it impossible to see clearly in the car, but turning quickly I perceived Kennedy, with his cap off, rubbing his close-cropped skull. He was cursing volubly. "'What is it, Kennedy?' "'Somebody's sniping,' cried the man. "'Lucky for me, I had my cap on.' "'Eh? "'Sniping?' said Barton, glancing over his shoulder. "'What do you mean? "'A stone, was it?' "'No, sir,' answered Kennedy. "'I don't know what it was, but it wasn't a stone.' hurt much i asked no sir nothing at all but there was a note of fear in the man's voice fear of the unknown something struck the hood with a dull drum-like thud there's another sir cried kennedy there's someone following us can you see anyone?" came the reply i thought i saw something then about twenty yards behind it's so dark try a shot i said passing my browning to kennedy the next moment the crack of the little weapon sounded sharply and I thought I detected a vague answering cry. "'See anything?' came from Barton. Neither Kennedy nor I made reply, for we were both looking back down the hill. Momentarily the moon had peeped from the cloud-banks, and where, three hundred yards behind, the bordering trees were few, a patch of dim light spread across the muddy road, and melted away as a new blackness gathered. But in the brief space, three figures had shown, only for an instant— But long enough for us to see that they were those of three gaunt men, seemingly clad in scanty garments. What weapons they employed I could not conjecture. But we were pursued by three of Dr. Fu Manchu's dacquats.' Barton growled something savagely and ran the car to the left of the road as the gates of Dr. Hamilton's house came in sight a servant was there ready to throw them open and sir lionel swung around on to the drive and drove ahead up the elm avenue to where the light streamed through the open door on to the wet gravel the house was a blaze of lights every window visible being illuminated and mrs hamilton stood on the porch to greet us dr petrie she asked nervously as we descended i am he i said how is mr smith still insensible was the reply passing a knot of servants who stood at the foot of the stairs like a little flock of frightened sheep we made our way into the room where my poor friend lay dr hamilton a gray-haired man of military bearing greeted sir lionel and the latter made me known to my fellow practitioner who grasped my hand and then went straight to the bedside tilting the lampshade to throw the light directly upon the patient nayland smith lay with his arms outside the coverlet and his fists tightly clenched his thin tanned face wore a grayish hue and a white bandage was about his head. He breathed stentoriously. "'We can only wait,' said Dr. Hamilton, "'and trust that there will be no complications.' I clenched my fists involuntarily, but, speaking no word, turned and passed from the room. Downstairs in Dr. Hamilton's study was the man who had found Nayland Smith. "'We don't know when it was done, sir,' he said, answering my first question. Stiples and me stumbled on him in the dusk, "'just by the big beach.' a good quarter-mile from the village. I don't know how long he'd laid there, but it must have been for some time, as the last rain arrived an hour earlier. No, sir, he hadn't been robbed. His money and watch were on him, but his pocket-book lay open beside him. Though, funny as it seems, there were three five-pound notes in it. "'Do you understand, Petrie?' cried Sir Lionel smith evidently obtained a copy of the old plan of the secret passages of greywater and monkswell sooner than he expected and determined to return to-night they left him for dead having robbed him of the plans but the attack on dr hamilton's man fu manchu clearly tried to prevent communication with us to-night he is playing for time depend on it petrie the hour of his departure draws near and he is afraid of being trapped at the last moment he began taking huge strides up and down the room forcibly reminding me of a caged lion to think i said bitterly that all our efforts have failed to discover the secret the secret of my own property roared barton and one known to that damned cunning chinese devil and in all probability now known also to smith and he cannot speak who cannot speak demanded a hoarse voice I turned in a flash, unable to credit my senses, and there, holding weakly to the doorpost, stood Nayland Smith. "'Smith!' I cried reproachfully. "'You should not have left your room!' He sank into an armchair, assisted by Dr. Hamilton. "'My skull is fortunately thick,' he replied, a ghostly smile playing around the corners of his mouth. "'And it was a physical impossibility for me to remain inert, considering that Dr. Fu Manchu proposes to leave England... tonight?' End of chapter thirty seven